So we're talking about discipleship, which is really about learning to live like Jesus. And uh, so we're on the third week, and in the first week, we looked at the three dimensions of discipleship, the three dimensions in which God helps us to get to know him, helps us to get to work with him. So if you remember, there's a, a triangle. Can anybody remember the triangle? The top of the triangle was up, and then there was out, and then there was in. And can you remember what up was about? We're going to be interactive today, so you've got to get used to it. Connecting to God. Okay, the in. Character development, God speaking to us about ourselves and growing out. Mission, telling people about Jesus, that's right. And then week two, we looked at how discipleship starts and ends with friendship. So all you've got to do is be friendly to people. That's all, you just need to be friends with people and journey with them in their lives, especially with those that perhaps don't know Jesus yet, and hopefully we want them to get to know Jesus at some time. Well, this week, I want to start looking about how we do discipleship, especially in the context of the church. So if you're following the pattern here, week one, we look at the church. Week two, we look at mission. That's kind of how we're going. So week one, we're looking at the church here. I'm look at discipleship in the context of the church, how we create an atmosphere in the church that is conducive to growing strong, healthy Christians who can disciple other people. And so I want to show you again from Jesus' example that discipleship requires an atmosphere of both invitation, say invitation, Invitation. and challenge, say challenge. challenge, invitation and challenge. And for this to happen, we're going to need some Christian friends around us, which is why I've got you to sit with other Christian friends today. Um, uh, I forgot what I was going to say now. We need, we need those people around us so that we can learn from them, so we can even imitate them in ways that we see that they are like Jesus. I said a couple of weeks ago, none of us are perfect examples, but at least we're living examples, and we all uh, can help one another to grow in our Christian walk. Now, in my experience, uh, this is rarely just one person that I connect myself to for life, and they're the only source of my growth and development. That's actually very rare. I don't think there's anybody that could possibly do that. But there's a series of people along the way who help us. And sometimes these people aren't even in the church. How about that? Some of the, the most growth I've ever experienced has actually been in the workplace uh, with bosses that have just taken me under their wing and developed me and grown me. So it's about personal relationship and spiritual growth. And it's not so much about the person, actually, even. So I've talked about how we need other people in our lives. But it's not so much about that that helps us in discipleship. That's important. But we grow, ultimately, because we have a sense of our need to grow. We have a desire to grow. We have a need to grow. It's not just about people. It's actually about being discipled or apprenticed to Jesus, as we've been seeing But it's also with the help of other people that we can grow. Did you follow all that? That sounded a bit confusing to me. What I'm saying is it's not just about people. It's about having a desire for growth that's really important in discipleship. But what kind of people do help us and what are the characteristics of their input? 
Or think, for example, about teachers at school. When you were at school, which were the teachers that really inspired you and really helped you? Why was it that you really liked that subject? Why was it that you loved English but you hated French? There's still languages, but quite often it's down to the teacher that you have. They really affect you and your understanding and, and love of that subject. Or think about a leader in the workplace that impacted your career. What was it about them that impacted you? Or even a friend that positively influence you? What was it that they did well? What was it about them that helped you to grow, helped you to grow in confidence? I want to just tell you about a, a friend of mine called Dave, and I'm calling him Dave the Miracle Worker. You'll understand why in a moment. There was a man called Dave in our lives. My brother and I, when we were young teenagers, he sort of came into our lives and uh, he was only about 10 years older than us, but he really made my brother and I feel special. He took an interest in us, he spent time with us and he talked with us about life and stuff. It was great for us because at that time we hadn't really seen any other Christians who were young. In the church we were growing up in, quite a lot of the people were older. So it was great just having a Christian young guy who was passionate about God. But it wasn't just that that impacted me. What impacted me was his love of sport. Um, now that's surprising if you know me, uh, because I've never really been a, a fan of anything to do with exercise or sport, uh, and I've never been particularly good at it, but Dave was passionate about uh, football and running. He was passionate about those two things, and surprisingly his passion caught us up too. <laughs> And he discipled us literally in these two passions of his. So we'd run together. And we actually got quite good at it, running together. And we ended up playing a pretty adequate level of football too. And this is, as I said, there's two parts to discipleship. There's invitation. And that was what the invitation was. He said, come and run with me, come and play football with me. And actually it was because of Dave, but also his challenge. So his invitation and challenge. He challenged me and my brother that I actually won the fastest race ever at 100 meters. Now for me, I don't know if you know about athletics, but I did 100 meters. You won't believe this. This is unbelievable, even for me. I did it in 13 seconds and I didn't come last. I don't think I came first either, but I didn't come last. And that was because of Dave's inspiring of me and helping of me and cheering me on and encouraging me. And so I was able to perform a miracle as a result. (laughs) And so I want you to see that growth wasn't, for me, about skill particularly at that time or even, even, even my interest. I did it despite interest. But it was Dave's intimacy of friendship and his encouragement of belief in me that created an atmosphere for some really great stuff to happen in my life. So what I want you to do at this point is I want you to turn to the person next to you and I want you to think of a person who's impacted you in some way and has really helped you to grow and given you a passion for something you might not have even had a passion for. So I'm just going to give you a couple of minutes just to talk to somebody next to you about that person. Okay, have you all had a chance to tell somebody a story? Yep. Okay, well, back on me then, if you if you don't mind, for a bit longer. There will be a few more interactions. Now, I don't know about your friend. I've told you about my friend. But the chances are that there will be some characteristics about that person that helped you to learn and to grow. 
Um, and this I want to call a discipling atmosphere, a discipleship atmosphere, a particular atmosphere that enables something great to happen. Because you see, discipleship takes place in an atmosphere that's conducive in some way to personal and spiritual growth. And it's an atmosphere that Jesus was masterful at creating to such an extent that he was able to equip a group of uneducated men to do the things that he did and be like him in such a way that when he eventually sent them out, they changed the world, literally the whole of the known world at that time. And so Jesus created amongst them, as you can see, if you read through the Gospels and see the interactions that took place between Jesus and his disciples, he created an atmosphere of invitation and challenge. So I want to talk about invitation and challenge. You'll remember if you've heard any of the talks so far, we talked about one of those invitations and challenges a couple of weeks ago when Jesus first called his disciples in Matthew 4.19, Jesus said, follow me. There's the invitation, follow me, and then the the challenge is, and I will make you fishers of men. There's the challenge, I'm going to, if you follow me, I'm going to make you into something that you're not right now. He talked to fishermen about becoming fishers of men. So invitation is about following me, coming closer is being with me, be around me, watch who I am, learn what I do. And at this point, there are no conditions placed on the invitation. Just come as you are. As my friend Dave, he took one look at me and he said, come and play football with me. No conditions. You're going to be rubbish, but that's fine. Just acceptance. It's all about being affirmed and included. It's being made to feel welcome and valued. Not for what you can do, but for who you are. It's you as a person being welcomed. An invitation is about knowing and feeling that you belong and that others love you and they want you there and ultimately that you're valued and claimed by God himself. So that invitation comes through us, but it ultimately will connect us to God. And so in all that Jesus did with these men, he was able to provide an appropriate mix of invitation and challenge. Now, when I talk about challenge, some of you will immediately be worried about that. So Jesus says, I will make you fishers of men. And I want to just say that at this point, Jesus had no reason to believe that any of these men would be up to the task that he was calling them for. (laughs) He had no reason to believe. He had no evidence to show that they would be able to be world changers as he'd called them to do. And this is because Jesus sees something in them, and that's the basis of challenge. That Jesus sees something in them. He believes in them and who they are. And he calls them into destiny. The destiny that he has for them and sees in them. That's what we're talking about when we're talking about challenge. Challenge is about confrontation. There is a confrontational element, but it's not about condemnation. It's not, it's confrontation, but it's not condemnation. Rather, it's calling the gold out of the dirt. Anybody got any dirt? It's calling the gold out of the dirt. It's calling out the true identity of an individual now that they are in Christ. And so it's not, it's, it's not you shouldn't do that, but rather you don't need to do that. One of the most powerful moments in my teenage life was when a pastor said to me about a particular area of sin I was struggling in. He just said to me, you don't have to do that anymore, you know. And that was just like the most simple thing anybody could ever say. And I realized I had a choice and I didn't need to do it anymore. 
because he knew that the identity of Christ that was in me was more powerful than the sin that I was struggling with. You don't need to do that. And sometimes challenge means believing more in the person than they believe in themselves. (laughs) More in the person than they believe in themselves and calling them to their destiny and purpose in life. You know, have you ever had someone believe in you like that? Ever had somebody believe in you like that? It's like, you can do this. Isn't it great when your dad says that to you? Or when somebody in authority that you respect says, I really see something in you. And how can we do that for one another? That's challenge. So Dave's challenge to me was, I believe you can do this race in 13 seconds or less. Wow. Now, at that time, I was doing about 15 seconds. With his training, his input, and his encouragement, I did it in 13 seconds. I don't know what I'd do it in now, 13 years probably. But, <laughs> but you know, time and time again, we see throughout the Gospels, Jesus inviting his followers closer and at the same time not hesitating to challenge wrong or harmful behaviors. And I want to just give you a whole load of examples now. And you know this interaction thing, are you, are you comfortable with this? What I want you to do is to shout out when you recognize invitation or challenge. Okay, you ready? So here we go. Here's the first verse. Come to me, all you are weary, and I will give you rest. Let the dead bury the dead, but you go out, okay, but you go out and proclaim the kingdom of God. Anyone who wants to be first must be last. Let the little children come to me. Anyone who's thirsty, come to me. If anyone wants to be my disciple, let them deny themselves, take up their cross, and follow me. Well, that's a really serious one. That's a serious challenge. Basically, what Jesus is saying, there is a cost to discipleship. Something of what Paul was bringing out in that prophetic word a bit earlier. There is a cost in it. We're going to look a bit more at that next time. And sometimes, you know, Jesus used invitation and challenge even in the same sentence. We've just seen one of the verses, come and follow me. That's the invitation. And I'm going to send you out as fishers of men. And there's another one where he says, the time has come. The kingdom of God is at hand. That's invitation. Therefore, repent and believe the good news of the gospel. That's challenge. Jesus will often mix them up in even in the same sentence. So Jesus, I want you to see, created a highly inviting but highly challenging environment to function and grow within, which when it comes, which when it comes to church means that we have to have a healthy discipleship culture. We have to have a healthy discipleship culture for that to work. Challenge and invitation. So gifted disciples, people that are are good at this, are able to build friendships that draw people close to them but not run their lives for them. (laughs) That's not what we're looking for. We're not looking for that kind of control element. What we're looking for is people who draw people close to them because they see something in them (laughs) and they believe something in them and they want to release something in them. They want to call out their destiny, want to see them grow and go. That's what we're looking for. That's the culture that we're looking for. It's a kind of relational atmosphere that can only be created in churches that have a healthy culture and a healthy understanding of how God grows and develops people. So a culture that's clearly defined and rooted in core beliefs, for example, around the Father's heart. Because if you if you know that there is a God who loves you, then that is what motivates you to connect to people. 
If you understand the identity that we have now in Christ, then you want to call that out of people, not condemn them. If you understand the cultural value of honoring people, it will help you to release them into greater destiny. The kingdom of God, a whole lot of things, a whole lot of things that we've been working really hard on as a church over the last few years because we want to get that culture right so that discipleship can thrive amongst us. You see, if the culture isn't healthy, it's hard to maintain a healthy atmosphere for spiritual and personal growth. Things can get twisted, misunderstandings can occur, and, and the balance can be lost between invitation and challenge. So to help us understand this, somebody's created a matrix, the matrix, uh, to help us to see the kind of cultures that we create in church that can help or hinder discipleship. I hope you can all see that. It's, it's a little bit small, but I can get it round to you. But let me just explain it to you. So in the top left-hand corner, what we've got is high invitation and low challenge. What happens when there's high invitation? So come, come and be in our church, come and be part of us, be with us. But low challenge, what you get there is a consumer culture. People become consumers. They come because they just want to be invited. They want to be drawn close, but they don't want to do anything about it. It's the chaplaincy quadrant. It's the cozy culture. Then go to the bottom left. What you're talking about is low invitation and low challenge. Well, come if you want. We're not really that bothered if you come or not. We don't really care if you're here or not. And if you're here, we're not really going to do anything with you. We're not going to challenge you. In fact, you know, just pay your tithe and we'll be happy. Um, that's called the boring quadrant. <laughs> or, and it creates an apathetic culture. And then if you go to the bottom right, you're talking about high challenge, but low invitation. Now, we see this in quite a few churches that have a legalistic understanding of the gospel. There's a high challenge and there's condemnation and do more, work harder, be more. (laughs) And that's called the discouraged or legalistic culture. So what I want you to do now is I want us to pause again. I just want you to go around that quadrant in your groups or in your twos, whatever. Just say, what kind of experiences have you had of those kinds of culture? And it might be in the workplace uh, or it might be in another church. But just see if you can work that through and understand uh, some of, of, of what that is about. So I'm going to give you a couple of minutes just to talk that through now. Okay, uh, have you had a chance to discuss that? Okay. So obviously it, the keen ones amongst you will have spotted that I've left out one of the quadrants, and that is the uh, discipling quadrant, which is called the empowered culture, empowering people. That's high invitation, come close, come see, come follow, come be, and then there's high challenge. You are amazing. You are royalty. 
<laughs> you've got potential that we want to unlock, that we want to help you discover. We want you to fulfill the calling of God on your life. And that's the discipling culture. That's what we want to see. We want to be able to confront people lovingly in that way so that they dig down and find who they really are in Christ. So I hope you can see from this quadrant that there is actually quite an important balance that needs to be achieved in invitation and challenge. It's, it's important to learn how to do that. I can't say I've always got the balance right, because this may surprise you to know, but I'm not actually perfect. And I know I've disillusioned a whole load of you right now. Um, but you see, what, what, you, what you find is when, when you're quite prophetic, you tend to be more on the challenge side. So I tend to find it easy to challenge or have done in the past. I've had to learn over time that actually you've got to build relationship with people. You can't just challenge them. So, yeah, I've learned that. Sorry if anybody's been a casualty of that at any time whatsoever. But I think the other thing is, is that as a... Yeah, it's fine. Thank you, Alison. Um, But I think also as a leader, sometimes you don't always have the currency in the relationship to make some of the challenges that have to be made. And when that happens, I've learned actually you've just got to acknowledge that and get on with it anyway and do it as gently as you can because we want people to grow. We want people to step out of sinful lifestyles and be who they really are in God. But my my feeling is that if we are building right, then somebody in the church will have been working on that relationship and be able to have that conversation. So when somebody's going off the rails and we need to just help them a bit, I'll always try and find who's actually connecting to them. Who could speak to them? Who could help them? And that's what we want to encourage, that there are those kinds of relationships. And if the whole church community is committed to building these kinds of relationships, even making it a cultural value, then you can see what a great recipe we have for seeing lives change. Because you see, discipleship, ultimately, what we're talking about is good learning. We're talking about good learning. We're talking about maximizing our ability to grow and to learn about what it is to be like Jesus. And I've been a bit disillusioned recently to discover something that actually um, good worship and preaching alone is not enough to develop and grow people. You know, I preach my heart out, you wouldn't believe how many hours it takes, but actually if we're serious about seeing people grow into maturity, something else is needed. Relationship is needed. And it's that combination of connection and challenge uh, for us to see progress. And this will often happen in a one-on-one setting or in smaller groups of trusted friends. Somebody's shown me this recently as a picture just coming up called the Learning Triangle um, if or the Learning Pyramid. And if you're in the education world, you will have seen this before. A lot of education is now done around this learning pyramid idea. And if you look through that, you see that there are these passive teaching methods, lecturing or or maybe even preaching, although obviously they haven't understood that the Holy Spirit is involved in preaching. But just taking the psychology of learning, it's quite interesting to see that 5% of learning takes place through lecture. And how much of our school systems historically have been around lecturing or reading go and read loads of books go and study um, and then even audio visual you know there's quite a lot of people who preach now that try to use other media which is great but actually you're only getting 20 percent there uh, but demonstration is far higher now that's starting to move in the right direction and then the bottom half of the um 
triangle is about participatory teaching methods, helping people to discuss things through is actually what we've done a bit of this morning. That is actually more solid learning than the lecture at the beginning. And then practice, look at that, 75%. And 90% is actually making disciples of others. How about that? So if we're going down the discipleship method, come close, be with me, see me, see what I do, do it with me like Jesus did, and then be challenged along the way, you can see how the bottom half of this learning triangle, which is just... You know, it's not even a Christian thing. This is just psychology. It's going to have a dramatic increase in how we decide, how we learn to be more like Jesus. I mean, so just to apply this a bit, I mean, how many have heard a challenging preach and not really done anything about it? I'm absolutely appalled. Uh, <laughs> I mean, we are, we obviously meant to do something about it in the moment when we were feeling challenged, but somehow it slips our minds, yeah? And even in life group setting, the smaller groups where we've encouraged people to discuss messages, how many of us are really prepared to be honest or make ourselves vulnerable or even accountable to make changes in our lives? And that's what those smaller groups are for. And partly that's because we don't know people very well. There's not been a strong enough invitation. Or there's been an invitation, but it's been more about hospitality than it has been about personal growth. So at the moment, as a life group, we've decided we're just going to go for discipleship this term and just see what happens. But we've all been together for quite a long time. We know each other quite well. And so everybody feels reasonably comfortable with that. So where there are deeper relationships in these smaller kind of groups, whether it's life groups or others, I think it may be possible uh, for us to do discipleship in those contexts. So maybe you want to think about that in your smaller groups. But what we probably need to do is intentionally build these kinds of deeper relationships with some so that we can grow together, where both invitation and challenge can form the basis of that relationship. I mean, really, this is the question. How serious are you about becoming more like Jesus and helping others to do so? That's why we're doing this. That's why we're talking about this. How serious are you? And what we're looking to build in this next season of church is a culture that enables people in a supported and accountable way just to answer this crucial question, which has got challenge and uh, invitation in it. This is it. What is God telling you to do? And how are you going to do it? What is God telling you to do? That's actually invitation. That's about being closely connected to God. So what is God telling you to do at the moment? And how are you going to do it? So it's invitation, which is intimacy in our relationship with God. Invitation by God to come close. How are you going to do it? It's challenge, but support in the context of relationships as well. So Jesus discipled people in an atmosphere of invitation and challenge. And over three years of working with these men, so it's not just a discipleship course of six weeks. This is three years of living with these men. He made disciples who changed the world. And I want to suggest to you, if it took Jesus three years to change the lives of 12 people, how much longer might it take some of us? But we have to start somewhere. So as we come to the end of our time today, I'm just going to give you one more exercise or a bit of practice. And I want to ask you to do two more things in your groups 
and uh, and have a go, really. Have a go. We're not just talking about discipleship. We're going to do a bit right now. And I want to ask uh, um, you to share, not, not necessary to share anything really personal at the moment. I mean, you're welcome to, but I don't want to put any pressure on you to do that. But think of something really simple that you can discuss around these two questions that I'm going to give you. Firstly, here's the invitation. What is God calling you to do? And how are you going to do it? just want you to discuss that question as an invitation. What is God talking to you about at the moment? And ask for one another's help in this. Say, look, I feel like God is saying this to me at the moment, but could you help me with this? Do you have any perspective on this? Uh, would you like to ask me about it next week, see how I'm doing with this? This is about coming close. It's about building something of a relationship with that person just for that one thing. Now, if you feel uncomfortable with doing that, or you just can't think of anything. Well, think of something historic that God asked you to do years ago and, and how you did that and how you learnt from that experience. But just discuss that question. What is God telling you to do and how are you going to do it? And the second one, here's the challenge. Um, I want to encourage you to just take a moment to call some gold out of your friend. I want you to just say what you see in them. Take some time to encourage them. So that's just two things, invitation and challenge. Now, if you don't know each other yet, you're going to have to do it prophetically <laughs> because God can sometimes open things up. But that's why I say get together with friends. And I don't mind if all you say is, I really love the way you do your hair. But encourage them. Just find a moment to encourage them. So two things as we close. Invitation, challenge. What is God saying to you? And call the gold out of your friend. Now, before you go to that, just before, like, I know you're excited, but just hold on a sec. Just before you go to that, I, I just want to pray for you. And we're going to close with this exercise. So when you finish discussing, you can just go to drinks. There'll be drinks available. And we've got a little bit of time to pick up the kids as well. So I'm just going to pray for you. And then I'm going to hand over to you. Okay, so here we go. So Lord Jesus, we just want to offer ourselves to you again. Say, so Jesus, will you teach us? Will you teach us how to pray? Will you teach us how to live? Will you teach us your ways and make us like you? That's what we want. We want to offer ourselves to you again. Make us like Jesus. And I pray, Lord, you'd make us a community that is like Jesus. And, Father, I pray that you put people in our lives that will challenge us because they love us and because they see great stuff in us. I pray, Lord, for the creating of this atmosphere of invitation and challenge. And, Lord, even as we go to groups now, I just pray that there's some really significant stuff will come out of these discussions so that even today we would grow in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Right, go to your groups.